Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is a God like you? That's the prophet Micah's question in today's first reading. It's a common question in and out of the scriptures, and it's often asked with accusation and rage, tears, frustration. Who is a God like you, allowing ethnic divisions to increase? Who is a God like you, letting a virus strike fear into the hearts of many? Who is a God like you, sitting idly by as children are dismembered in their mother's womb? Who is a God like you, silent as chaos and hatred spread? Who is a God like you? Why, O Lord, do you not act? Why do you not answer? God made this world beautiful, yet everything ends in pain and sorrow. We hide it away, pretending it isn't true. Although we're no longer allowed inside, the hospitals and funeral homes reek with the stench of mortality. Florists and antiseptic cleaning agents battle each day to stifle the odors that would otherwise cause us to gasp and heave. God's creation has become hell on earth. Broken hearts, shattered souls, cancerous tumors filling the gut, minds crippled by fear, souls gripped with sorrow, and mouths that can only utter the name of God as a curse. Jobs are lost as rioters engage in a thousand little crystal knocks. Good is evil, and evil good. A statue of Lincoln freeing a slave is now racist. Girls will be boys, and boys will be girls. It's a mixed up, muddled up, shook up world, and it's tempting to despair. Who is a God like you, allowing your creation to be thus ruined? His answer for now is what is recorded in the Gospels. He says, I am a God who pardons iniquity. You, my child, are my lost coin. I have searched for you amid the dust and spiders. Into every dark corner I have gone, casting the bright beams of my light. You were covered with filth, but I found you. You were slippery with urine and pus, but I grasped you and washed you, polished you, and restored you to a place of honor. You, my child, are my lost sheep. All the darkness that has come upon your race began when your first father fled, and you too have run from me. You listened to the voices of others. The voice of your shepherd you thought boring and prudish. But still I searched for you. I cried out, though the night was as pitch, and the storms were fierce. The wild beasts snarled. They bared their teeth and flashed their sharp claws, and death itself as a monster loomed. Yet still I searched for and found you. He loves the rebels and the forlorn. To him, these are lost coins and lost sheep. The Lord wants them back. The Lord wants the prodigals, the rioters, and even such sinners as you and me back. The prophet gives us by revelation what we could never conclude from nature. Who is a God like you, 
pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression. Everyone on all side wants justice, but the Lord comes not with justice, but mercy. God is not anger and mercy as two equal parts, two doctrines that form a single coin with two sides. No, he does not retain his anger forever. Anger, the word of God tells us, is not intrinsic to God's nature. It's not who he is. What did we hear from St. John just a few weeks ago? God is love. So he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. Today, in El's baptism, we have the perfect example of what it is for the lost coin or the lost sheep to be brought home. And we all were such. What happens in baptism? There are rituals attached to it and ceremonies that aren't necessary to making a valid baptism, but they are instructive to us. For example, the sign of the Holy Cross is written upon the person, upon your forehead and upon your heart. When I get a new book, I typically write my name straightway in the front of it. Years ago, my mom also gave me this little embosser. You can take it and you can smush one of the pages and it says, from the library of Christopher Esgit. I love it. This is my book and I love my book. Well, how much more does God say this about a person? That's what he says today. El, you're mine, and I love you. The Our Father is spoken into the ear of the one being baptized. And from what we can tell in early Christian baptisms, you would not have heard the Our Father before your baptism. It would be given to you then. To make the point that now, here, as you're baptized, you get a new father. The pastor, as a kind of spiritual father or elder brother, teaches the words to the baptized one. This is now how we call upon our father. Jesus gave us these words. He is our brother, and together we call upon God as father. And the oil comes after the baptism. The oil, again, in the sign of the cross, The oil is put on the forehead and at the ear and on the cheek next to the lips as though to say in your mind and in your hearing and in your speaking, all is now covered by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are beautiful and radiant and you belong to me. In the Gospels, there's a party thrown. And it's kind of ridiculous if you think about it. If you lost a coin and found it, would you throw a big party? Hire caterers? Rejoice with me, for I found my lost coin. If it was 25 cents, or if it was $2,500, would you throw a party over that? No, you'd be glad, and you'd move on. Maybe you'd have a little party for yourself, but it would seem preposterous and ridiculous, but not so with God. He is preposterous and ridiculous about his grace, lavish and abundant. My coin is found. My lost sheep is home. Rejoice. God loves to forgive sins. And God loves to welcome home his sinners.
Look at how much of today's Old Testament reading is a promise about what God is still going to do for all of you baptized ones. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham. So, whatever difficulties you are enduring, these are the promises of God to you. He will do it. He's faithful to his promises. So now we wait. Here we wait in this storm-tossed boat, fearful at every crash of thunder and flash of lightning. Here we sit in a hospital, looking at a shell of a human being, crying and wondering why. Here we sit with stomachs twisted in knots, writhing in pain, hiding in shame. Here we sit in a funeral home, choked with flowers, staring at a corpse caked in cosmetic fakery. Here we stand at Arlington Cemetery, beholding row after row after horrible row of fallen soldiers and none of it in an earthly sense makes any sense at all to us. But then here we come to church, and all makes sense. Here we looked at a derelict, itinerant Jew, hanging, starved of breath, his life spent. But we come here on Sunday, the day of resurrection. We see in the crucifix the crucified one, for he is ever the crucified one, We see that in the work of that cross, he has kicked death in the teeth and said, you lose. That's the only answer as we sit with Job on the world's dunghills. For we know amidst all the pain and loss and heartache that he is coming again, coming for all us lost coins and lost sheep, coming for us rebels who have squandered so much. He is coming again even to the graves. And he will roar like a lion once more at death and say, you lose. And rising again on his shoulder, we are gently laid as home rejoicing he brings us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We stand for the prayers.